Good morning, I'm Pastor Allen. It's good to see everyone. Hopefully everybody's in the Christmas spirit now, right? All right, uh, we are in a series finishing up today. We'll do our, start our Christmas series next week. We've been talking about what would Jesus undo? Most of us are familiar with it. What would Jesus do campaign back in the 90s? So we're kind of doing a play off of that. And we'll review the first two weeks and then we'll get to our topic today for pride. So two weeks ago, what was our issue that we thought Jesus would undo if he was here? Indifference, indifference. Being lukewarm, being uh, just not caring. Um, and we gave a suggestion. If you are struggling with indifference, being lackadaisical, do something every day that requires faith. And this has really worked well for me. Hopefully it's worked well for you. I think about this. Okay, what can I do today? My life will be less, uh, just less normal, I guess. So that was week one. Last week, what did we talk about last week? Anybody remember? Hypocrisy, right. And so we gave you a prayer uh, to pray each day if you're struggling with hypocrisy. The problem with these, all these issues are we all have them at time, times, I believe. God, show me an area of my life where I am wearing a mask, that was our definition of hypocrisy, and help me to remove it. <clears throat> so today we're going to talk about something else. Now, I'll start with a story that is all too common, uh, unfortunately, for me to admit. Sometimes my wife and I'll have a discussion, disagreement, and she'll say it's like this, and I'll say no, it's like this. And I guess both of us are a little stubborn, so we both insist that we are right. Too often, though, uh, eventually I'm going to have to state these words. I was wrong. You were right. I'm sorry. Why is it so hard to say that? <laughs> why is that? And we're going to talk about why. Uh, we'll label it with that term pride. Now, we counsel couples. We always say to them, another important part of this is, I was wrong. You were right. I am sorry. Please forgive me. So hopefully you couples do that in your in relationship with one another. So pride is a confusing topic. I remember even as a teenager going to church and the pastor would talk about pride being a bad thing. It was confusing to me. Because people would talk about, my parents would talk, talk you know, I'd get, I got straight A's a couple times on my report card and my parents would say, we're proud of you. Was that wrong? I don't think that's wrong. I think that's a quote unquote good pride. So parents, be proud of your kids, their accomplishments, whether it's academic or sports related, spiritually, whatever it might be. I'm proud of you folks. Uh, over a, she didn't, Anna, you didn't say it was over 100 boxes, though, that are those boxes that our church actually put together. Just our church, over 100 boxes. So I'm proud of you for doing that, for your generosity. So that's a good pride. But we're going to talk about the bad pride. And the Bible addresses it. There's this book in the Old Testament. And if you've got your smartphone, you can look it up, or a Bible. Uh, we'll put verses on the screen. You're on your, on your bulletin. Pride goes before destruction. Haughtiness, another word for pride, goes before a fall. And I don't think any of us want to be headed for, be headed for destruction or for a fall, do we? So a modern paraphrase of that says it this way. First pride, then the crash. Again, not something we desire. Here's something we can understand. The bigger the ego, the harder the fall, right? So, 
Jesus, we're going to look at a story Jesus told. Jesus told stories, and we call them parables. And in this story, we're going to meet two characters, kind of a good guy and a bad guy, kind of like uh, Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader, okay? And uh, one's going to be a, appear the hero, but we're going to get a surprise ending, if you will. The one is a Pharisee. The one is a tax collector. And one, something we're going to see in this story that we talk about a lot is this. Your relationship with God can't be separated from your relationship with others. So you can come to church here and be all, you and God think you're all good. If you're not good this way with your, you know, people in your life, then you're going to have a serious problem with this way, with God. And we don't have time to talk about this morning. We talked about it a lot in the past. But we're going to see it come up in this story. <clears throat> So first, we're going to, in the story, we're going to see the uh, good, unquote, character. But Jesus, the text goes like this. It's in Luke chapter 18. Jesus told the story. Oops, back up. I haven't finished reading. Told the story who, uh, to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness. That would be a definition of pride also. Confidence in their own righteousness, their own goodness. I am basically good. One of the problems with pride, this type of pride, is it often causes us to do the second thing, and that's to scorn everyone else or look down on everyone else, think we're better than everyone else. Then Jesus talks about the, the good guy first. Two men went into the temple. One was the Pharisee. Now, let me talk to you about Pharisees. We don't really have this category of religious people today. But they were professional religious people. They were professionally good. I remember somebody saying to me, Pastor, you're paid to be good. I'm good for nothing. Is that you, Tim? Is that somebody done with that? <laughs> but uh, these guys were paid to be good. Um, they uh, were very dedicated, very committed. If you were at 12 years old, you memorized the first five books of the Old Testament. Now, have you ever read the first five books of the Old Testament? Some of it's almost impossible to read, much less memorize. And so they had great uh, accomplishments, educational accomplishments, uh, very disciplined, etc. Uh, they were the people everybody in the community would look up to as, well, these are the guys that are closest to God because of how religious they were. Now, the tax collector, despised tax collector, is hard for us to relate to. It's not an F, it's not a, uh, IRS agent. <laughs> All right. Uh, this is the best I could come up with. The most despised person in our community. Who, who would it be? And so I thought of it this way. What if, you know, one of the kids from our community grows up to be a young adult and then makes his, his, his profession in life to sell drugs to the middle schoolers here in town? People he grew up with or kids the people he grew up with or, or siblings the people he grew up with. That's what he's doing. He's selling drugs to middle schoolers and getting rich. I don't know if we would despise them, but I think that's pretty close to the feeling that these folks had. Maybe even stronger because they were considered traitors because they were working for the Romans and the Romans occupied 
the Holy Lands at this time. They were collecting money from the, their fellow Israelites and giving it to the Romans. And they were making a lot of money on the, on the side and becoming rich. So they were despised. They were the most despised people in society. So we have the good of the, the best of the good and the worst of the worst in this story. So Jesus is going to talk about the, the good guy first, the Pharisee. And they both went to the temple, a place of worship, a place to connect with God. They thought God was, you were as close to God in the temple as any place else, closer than any place else. So the Pharisee stood up by himself and prayed this prayer. Thank you, God, that I am not like other people. And he gives examples, like the cheaters and like the sinners and the adulterers. Now, he might have, might have been the first or last but the Bible makes it clear we're all sinners. We all mess up. We all make mistakes, right? So no matter how disciplined this guy was, again, this is a story, but the people would have been able to relate to the story because they would have seen people like the two in the story. Um, I'm certainly not like. So he's making a, a specific comparison. I'm certainly not like the tax collector. I fast twice a week. I'm sure he doesn't. Fasting is a spiritual discipline, not eating food, so you can spend some more time with God. And I give you a tenth of my income. We talked about that last week. It's a tithe, 10%. So, you know, if they got $100, I gave 10% to God. That's, that's, that's how it works. So, these are good things. Fasting is good. Tithing is good. Praying is good. But this guy had a problem. <laughs> And one way of defining it is this way. Instead of seeing the good things in his life as a gift from God, <clears throat> he began to see himself as the gift to God. Hey, God, look how good I am. I fast twice a week. I give 10% of my income. God, you should be happy that I'm one of your followers. Instead of seeing... The good things in life is a gift from God. Came across this video, kind of drives home this point. Hopefully you enjoy it. All right, so we all have nice stuff. So why? Are you thankful to God for that stuff? Are you thankful to God for your relationships? Are you thankful to God for every breath you have, the life that you have? So we're going to tackle this pride subject for a few minutes. Now, I was trying to think of a word for the bad pride. So I put spiritual pride on there, but that wasn't really a good word. So I think a better word would be selfish or self-centered or egocentric maybe is the best word. Egocentric pride. We'll use that one. Promises us some stuff. It promises self-sufficiency. Okay, I'm good. I don't need you. I don't need God. I don't need anybody else. I am good. That's an indication of egocentric pride. Another one is self-importance. So consequently, if I am good, if I can handle all this stuff, that makes me important. So I'm an important person. And then ultimately it leads to self-exaltation. Yep, I'm pretty good. People ought to just be thankful they know me <laughs> and in a relationship with me. So I try to think of a defin definition of this, and this is the best I came up with. Spiritual pride is the inward emotion that leads to outward actions. So I don't, technically if pride is this inward emotion, I guess is a good definition. Now these outward actions though, are ones we would never normally want to be associated with. And I'm going to give you some examples. And most of us probably maybe think we're not struggling with pride. Um, 
Once we go through the list, I think it's going to hit us all. First is comparison. We compare ourselves to others. You know, I, you know I'm, I'm struggling here, but at least I'm not struggling as much as that person is. <laughs> you know, my marriage isn't perfect, but my marriage is better than that one. My kids aren't perfect, but they're certainly better than these kids over there. Parents are notorious at this. Why? Why do we compare? Because with insecurity, right? We feel bad, you know, we're not perfect, and none of us are, and, you know, I wish I was a better parent or better spouse or whatever. Well, at least I'm not as bad as them. Uh, so we compare. Well, comparison is egocentric pride. Not needing God. We already talked about that. Self-sufficient. Okay, God, when I, have, when I need you, I'll let you know. But right now, I'm good. <laughs> uh, that's pride. Uh, fault finding. Uh-oh. Why is it so easy for us to find faults in other people and ignore our own faults? Hard to see them in ourselves. You ask your spouse, they'll point them out to you. And <laughs> those of you that are married. Uh, but we find fault. And then attention seeking. If you, if you crave other people's attention, uh, that's an indication of uh, pride. Now, some people say, well, no, that's not my problem. <laughs> um, basically, uh, you know, most, these people might wake up thinking they're pretty awesome. I wake up thinking I'm not at all. So are you a, uh, uh, what's the word? Are you exempt from pride? No, 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 no. It's something I'm going to call reverse egocentric or spiritual pride. Reverse. And uh, it's on your outline, I believe, and put it on the screen. I can't receive a compliment. No, 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 don't, don't, no, no, don't compliment me on that. Uh, I didn't do a good job. Um, don't compliment, no, 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 I don't, I, I don't want to hear it. And this is difficult sometimes. Some people say, well, preacher, I, you know, I, I enjoy what you taught today. And I used to struggle with that and say, okay, well, give God the glory or praise God or whatever. I think the simplest thing to do is just say thank you to people when you, they compliment you. But when you can't accept the compliment, that's a sign of pride. Another sign would be, I, 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 I'll never be used by God. I'm just a loser. I messed up this. I messed up that. And, you know, God's never going to use me to do anything. Uh, that's pride. And an uh, outshoot of that is I'll never be able to share my faith. Either I don't know enough to share my faith or people are going to think I'm a, you know, a goody-goody if I share my faith. Well, that's pride. And this is one I think gets us all. I deserve better. I deserve better. I got these health issues. I'm trying to take care of myself. I shouldn't have these health issues. My wife has a health issue and doing better, by the way. Thank you. Um, you know, I've worked really hard. I've taken, financial, I've taken financial peace like five times. I don't have this all figured out, right? I should be a millionaire by now, <laughs> uh, but I'm not, okay? Uh, I deserve better. I deserve to be one. Um, you know, I worked really hard. I put myself into my kids. You know, I deserve better than the fact that, you know, they're, they're uh, doing whatever they're doing that I'm not uh, happy with. I work really hard at my marriage. I've done everything I could. I've read books. I've taken classes. I went to counseling and everything, and, and it's still not good. I deserve better. That's pride. Now, whenever you fall into this last one, let me give you an easy reminder. Did Jesus deserve to die on a cross? You can answer no. <laughs> so if anybody deserved 
something better, it would have been Jesus. So, don't fall into that trap. The problem with all these indications of pride is that they all start with what or who? It's all about me, right? Egocentric, selfish, self-centered. I came across this uh, little, I, I don't know what the plaque you might call it. Uh, I thought this was a good reminder to us. Pride is the carbon monoxide of sin. It's silent and slowly kills us. Pride can be deadly. We talked about a fall and destruction. It can be deadly and it's so hard to see. In fact, I mentioned this earlier this morning. Sometimes we can be proud of our humility even. So, a couple of observations. One, when we're full of ourselves, there's no room for God. That makes sense. When something's full, there's no room for something else. So when we're full of ourselves, when all we can think about is how great I am, there's no room for God. Now we think about the Pharisee. Was he really praying to God in that prayer? He was praying so the other people would hear him praying. And so prayer is communicating with God. I don't think he made much communication or connection with God. There wasn't room for God in his life. Now let's get to the other guy, the bad guy, the despised tax collector. <clears throat> the tax collector stood at a distance, dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Sometimes people pray this way. He couldn't do that. He, he prayed this way. And instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, now here's his prayer, quote, unquote, O God, be merciful to me. Don't give me what I deserve. Be merciful to me, for I'm a sinner. I'm a screw-up. I need help. Now, do you think God hears that prayer? Yeah, God will hear that prayer. One way to look at this guy's prayer is this way, in his life. If God doesn't intervene, what? He's hopeless. He's a spy, he's a traitor, he's a thief. If God doesn't intervene, he's hopeless. Maybe somebody here this morning is feeling that way. I don't know. But you could pray that prayer. God be merciful to me, a sinner. So when we empty ourselves, there's room for God, right? <laughs> you empty ourselves, there's room for something else. And hopefully your desire is for God. If you're not a Jesus follower, hopefully uh, you will become one. Um, but this pride issue affects everybody, not just Jesus followers. So when we empty ourselves, there's room for God. Now, Jesus gives us the evaluation of these two guys. Now the crowd, you've got to realize the crowd's going, hey, yeah, these Pharisees, they're, the, they're right up there close to God. Can't even, I can't believe this tax collector is even here in worship. Now notice Jesus Conclusion. Again, this is a made-up story, but probably people have observed. The sinner, the tax collector, not the religious guy, the Pharisee, returned home justified with God. So here, here's what Jesus said. This really religious guy that fasts and, and ties and he, he spends his life being good. Him and God are like this. 
and the despised person you hate most in your community, our case, drug dealer or whatever, them and God are good. Now, if you were listening to that, you would be shocked, wouldn't you? You might be shocked hearing it now. How can that be? And Jesus explains, those who exalt themselves, hey, look at me. They're going to be humbled. They're going to have a fall. And ultimately, they're not even connected with me. But those who humble themselves, they'll be exalted. And I don't know what your life's been like. Maybe life has humbled you. You've made some really bad mistakes. and Maybe life's tough now. And I promise it, we, we want to fix it. How, how do I fix it? And Luke here is telling us where to start. So when we empty ourselves, we can be used by God. You would think that the guy that would be used would be the Pharisee, right? He was really religious. No, no, no. When we empty ourselves, then God can use us. God can't use, can't being something that's already full. We think of humility as being a weakness, but humility is a strength because then God's on our side. That's when we invite God in. And then we have access to God's power. So real quickly, how do we empty ourselves before God? How do, how do we get there? Let me give you a couple of clues. One, what the Pharisee, uh, tax collector did. Pray a prayer of confession, uh, asking forgiveness, um, Good place for all of us to start. Continual, continual basis. And then another good thing to do is serving. Serving. Uh, just serving people out of the quote-unquote goodness of your heart. Just, you know, instead of wanting to be served, wanting to be drawing attention to myself, wanting to be uh, important. No, 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 no. And we saw this in Jesus a few weeks ago. Washing disciples' feet. And then, ultimately, who, what you and I do, whose glory is it for? Jesus said it this way uh, in a Sermon on the Mount, back in Matthew chapter 5. He said, let your good deeds shine out for all to see. So we should be serving, doing good deeds. We were serving people a Friday night at the Christmas tree lighting in Smithsburg. But all to see, for what reason? So that everyone will praise you, right? Just stop right there. Why are you? Praise you. So everyone who praise you or praise our church, is that when we do it? Why should we do it? No. uh, So everyone will praise your, not you, your heavenly Father. So conclusion here. Pride is about my glory. Humility is about God's glory. One other statement. When you and I are full of ourselves, there's no room for what we need most. What do you and I need most? God's grace. When we're full of ourselves, there's no room for what we need most. God's grace. Um, so, I want to give you an assignment, something to do this week uh, to help you and I deal with this pride issue. Um, when you're facing a decision, or any time, especially when you're facing a decision, ask yourselves, well, this two-part question. Is this about my God, glory, or is this about God's glory? Who do I want to get the glory? Who do I want to get the praise? 
And if you're a Jesus follower, it's all about God. We want him to get the praise, right? All right. So hopefully you'll do that this week. Let me pray with you, and then we'll have a song and let you go. And we all especially want to pray for anyone who's not a Jesus follower. You need to step across that line? Let's pray for them first. Father God, we all need your grace. We all are mess-ups. We're all screw-ups. We're all sinners. And the problem is that creates a barrier between us and you. And there's no way we can fix it other than accepting a gift and, and Jesus dying in our place. And we can receive forgiveness from that way, and then we can have a relationship with you. And we can pray that prayer as the tax collector prayed. God, be merciful to us. Don't give us what we deserve, but what we need is, what your, is your grace and your forgiveness. You can pray that prayer. You can become one of God's children uh, sitting here right now. Uh, for most of us, we're Jesus followers. Some of us for a while. Some of us just getting started. And God, we thank you for this reminder. It's so easy to fall into pride, whether we're a teenager with, with, our, with, <laughs> with the insecurities of being a teenager. But any age. So God, help us to, to, to see it or have somebody close to us point it out to us. It's hard for us to see whether it's in our fault finding or whatever it might be. And God, help us empty ourselves of us, fill ourselves with you so we can be useful to you. God, hopefully that's our prayer. God, use us. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.